Welcome to episode 392 of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, where every week I talk about the inner workings of the entertainment industry with those who have lived it and experienced it. I'm your host, Derek Diamond. And if you haven't yet, be sure to check out last week's episode where I had the pleasure of chatting with award-winning director Jeff Margolis. It was great getting to pick his brain about you know, his career in directing television, specifically the Academy Awards, and even winning an Emmy for doing so. And it's a topic that I don't think I've ever really discussed um, on this show before in all 300 and now 92 episodes um, television directing is something I don't think I've really talked about. And it was great, you know, getting to talk with him about that because um, I have a background in working in television. That's how, you know, I got my start um, in my production career, working at the local uh, PBS station that we have here in Pensacola. So a great chat. You can go back and check out that episode in the archives. And if you want to purchase his book, We're Live in Five, you can find a link to that in the show notes of last week's episode, but definitely going to have Jeff back on the show again soon. But speaking of topics that I don't really discuss that often, at least I don't feel like I do, we're going to be doing that for this week's episode as I chat with screenwriter James Roberts. And it was great getting to pick his brain about the writing process and how he got started on in his career, some great advice that he received early on in his career that has stuck with him since. And he's most notably known for writing the fun 90s horror throwback film, uh, Here for Blood. And it's gotten some comparisons to They Live, the popular John Carpenter film. If uh, you're a fan of that, then I think you'll definitely want to check out Here for Blood. But it was great getting to talk about the writing process, because that's, that's where filmmaking starts. You know, you can't have a film without a script. So it was really great getting to chat with him. And hopefully you enjoy this conversation as well. So without further ado, here is my conversation with James Roberts. Happy to be here with my very special guest this week, screenwriter James Roberts. James, how are you? I'm excellent, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we were talking before we started that this has been, so we're recording this on February 8th. Is it me or has 2024 already seemed like a year and a half? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I can't believe it's already February. And then I also can't believe it's only February. So <laughs> I know, I feel like you could fit two months into January. It's just, yeah. it's, you know, in the, as I'm sure you know, in the, in the writing and the filmmaking world, it's, it can all be a blur. And it just yeah, seems like absolutely. a lot happens in such a short amount of time. So um, I appreciate you taking the time to to have this chat. And I, I always like to get started, you know, with the kind of learning the backstory of how people got into the industry, because as I'm sure you know, there's not like a, a how-to guidebook or like, you know, the, the old idiot's guide to like cooking or whatever the case may be. There's not one of those for filmmaking. So yeah. what was it that led you to wanting to become a screenwriter? Well, um, you know, I'd always loved, um, you know, creating stories. And, you know, when I was a kid, I'd play with my action figures and I'd have these kind of sweeping epics that would, you know, continue over days and I'd have plot lines that would continue, you know. And uh, I've just always loved uh, kind of world building and, and, and you know, uh, sort of escaping in my imagination. And um, when I was in high school, um, you know, I had some really great teachers. I took a, a class called Writer's Craft, 
which was basically entirely just about writing. It was, you know, we, we would do poetry and short stories and um, all these different subjects. And I had a really, um, a really supportive teacher named Kim Bloomfield. And, uh, you know, she, she encouraged my writing and she would share, you know, she gave me copies of the movie, uh, Terry Gilliam movie, Brazil, and she would give me books to read, just, just kind of feeding my, uh, my interest and, and finding things I would like. So she was super encouraging and, um, film had always been, you know, watching movies as a kid was always like my favorite thing. My buddies and I loved, especially horror movies. We'd get together and watch a lot of horror movies. So it just felt like, yeah, I want to try writing screenplays. And, um, you know, it just so happened I had a, a music teacher. Uh, her name was Linda Wharton. And she said, oh, I hear you're, you're, you know, enjoying writing screenplays. And I was doing a project on it. We had to do like a careers project, what you want to do. And I was doing screenwriting. And, and uh, she said, I, you know, I have a cousin who writes screenplays. And I, I said, oh, really? What movies has he done? And she said, oh, he's done X-Men and X-Men 2. And she started listing all these movies. And uh, her cousin is a screenwriter named David Hayter. Uh, who also does, you know, some voice acting in the Metal Gear Solid franchise, et cetera. So um, I got to interview him for my high school project on screenwriting, and he was very gracious at this time and um, really gave me some encouragement. And um, I was lucky enough to have him read some of my stuff, you know, over the years and get feedback from him. Um, and it was kind of, you know, just the, the encouragement of those people around me that really made me want to keep going and pursuing it. That's fantastic. And I, I don't think you can stress enough the importance of having a support system, regardless of, you know, what you do, whether it's, you know, in your case, screenwriting or, you know, some other form of entertainment. It's a hard thing to get into because it's so competitive and you really got to stand out. And I think you know, it can be demoralizing, you know, if you write something and it gets rejected or you audition and you get rejected. It's great to have that support system to fall back on. And especially, you know, with you having uh, teachers, you know, that influenced you at a young age, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the rejection in show business, you know, whether you're an actor or a writer or whatever, there's a lot of rejection and, um, you know, having the, I, everything from confidence and courage to keep trying, you know, it, it really does come down to, um, Sometimes it is just that one person giving you positive reinforcement that will help you keep going, you know, and, and it, it's, it can get demoralizing if you don't have a good system around you. And I've been lucky enough to, you know, uh, be surrounded by very supportive, uh, encouraging people. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been, uh, it's been a, you know, there's ups and downs, but it's been, um, I, I don't regret a second of uh, trying, trying to uh, pursue the arts. <laughs> so in mentioning you know, all these teachers and then being able to talk with, uh, you know, the writer of X-Men 1 and 2. Uh, did you get any advice early on in your writing career that has stuck with you to this day? Um, I've gotten a lot of good advice, actually, you know, um, if, whether from entering contests or, or whatever, you know, the first script I, I wrote, I entered it into contests. I was like, I think like 19 or something. I was like, okay, I'm going to put this in the contest. It's like a full script and it got like obliterated. It got like, this is terrible. Like, but there was one reader that gave me some positive feedback and said, there's a, a voice in here, but it just doesn't know how to write a screenplay. And I was like, oh, I should probably go how to like, 
actually study and, and practice and learn how to properly do this before I keep, you know, trying to put things out there. So I did take some time to, you know, get feedback, you know, study the masters, so to speak. And um, I think, you know, and this ties into to Here for Blood, the, the best uh, piece of writing advice I'd ever heard was from um, a, a writer and actor named Danny Strong. Um, he was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and uh, he's gone on to write uh, a number of uh, TV shows and films now. But he said he he wrote a script that um, he was taking around town trying to sell, and he realized at one point after you know rejection after rejection after rejection, he kind of looked at the script and he had this realization: if this came out, if this movie got made, he goes, I wouldn't go see it <laughs> he kind of had this epiphany like i would he was writing what he thought um you know other people would want to see and he said you know you really have to just write what you would absolutely no question have to go see and that's for me what here for blood is that's basically what i did was just put everything i love into this you know uh script and it, it's the wrestling and the horror and the and this you know the over the top nature of it all i just really combined it all to 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 make it that thing that for me personally i would have to go see that's some great self-awareness for somebody to say you know what i wouldn't even go see this so what that's that's pretty that's pretty incredible but that's actually an excellent segue to here for blood so how how did the idea come about and how was the process of creating that story? Well, um, so originally I was um, approached by a producer uh, based out of L.A. Um, he was he had offered a script of mine and was taking it around and he said, can you write uh, a lower budget horror movie um, as well? And I said, sure, I can do that. And he gave me a lot of parameters, a lot of really strict guidelines that he wanted to see. And one of the notes that I thought was kind of odd and interesting was he wanted it to have a male protagonist because he said there's certain countries that um, a movie won't sell in for whatever reason if it has a female protagonist. And I'm like, okay, so we need a horror movie with a male protagonist, which immediately makes it you know more difficult. And so so I came up with the concept of uh, you know this this kind of unexpected babysitter you know showing up and then when the home invasion happens uh they weren't expecting him and you know the early uh script version i wrote was very um super violent and kind of grim it wasn't very fun to be honest there wasn't a lot of humor in it um which wasn't like you know it's not like my kind of writing i like to inject a lot of humor into stuff so um, nothing really ever happened with that and I liked the concept, and, and again, I gave it that test. I took a look at it, and I was like, you know, I wouldn't have to go see this if it came out. This wouldn't be something I'd have to go see. And I thought, well, like, how can I make this more fun? And the first thought I had is, well, what if the babysitter was a professional wrestler? You know, a Roddy Piper type. <laughs> what if he was, like, one of those guys, you know, like Roddy Piper from They Live was a babysitter. You know, so that was like, okay, that's fun. And then, you know, I'm like, well, let's have some fun with it. Let's, you know, like, let's have it be – you know, again, with that kind of, you know, over the top theatrical nature for wrestling, let's have the violence be reflected in that. And let's have it go so over the top. It's, you know, just a really fun kind of campy splatter fest. And then, you know, bringing the supernatural elements into the film that are there kind of towards the set at the, you know, the midpoint we get into that. But I just, it was everything I loved because it gave us more leeway for the practical effects 
um, that I grew up loving so we could have more fun with, you know, the, uh, the, the blood splatter and the gore, so to speak. And that, that was, um, you know, sort of the difference in the first draft. The gore was not fun. And this one is, is, is twisted as that sounds, you know, the, and this one I wanted, you know, the, the version that people will see, I wanted the violence and the blood splatter and the gore to be funny, almost like, uh, you know, a Looney Tunes cartoon for adults, just kind of like itchy and scratchy, I guess, you know, yeah. <laughs> to some extent. Yeah, no, I I love how you described it as Roddy Piper from They Live as a babysitter, because They Live is one of my favorite movies, and I'm a big wrestling fan. I have been since the 90s, so, like, I, I was sold just based off the description anyway. And I, I find that, you know, as I've gotten older and have, you know, studied more film and watched more movies, especially from a different perspective as a filmmaker, I, I feel like horror is the genre where you have the most like flexibility, like you can make something really dark and scary. And then you can also make a horror comedy like Zombieland comes to mind. It has that fun, you know, kind of over the top um, humor, but still has the horror elements like with the zombies and everything. So uh, do you, do you feel the same way about horror? Yeah, I would a hundred percent agree with that. And I think it's, it's sort of the fantastical element. You know what I mean? Um, people, especially, you know, diehard genre fans know that you can't go into horror movies all the time expecting, you know, uh, realistic, <laughs> you know, things that, that make sense in real life. You sort of have to, you know, suspend belief. Uh, same with professional wrestling. You have to go in to enjoy the show. And you, it, 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 there's always the, the one guy that goes, well, that looks fake. And it's like, well, that's not the point. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not really going to try to paralyze each other with chairs they're there to have fun and entertain that's the point of it so um it's a form totally of theater it's a form of theater absolutely and i think uh, i think you know horror and wrestling kind of have that similar element so when i combine them you know i think people going in um they know that it's with that wrestling you know in mind they know that they're going to see something uh not realistic and 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 you know purposely exaggerated and over the top and and I think that yeah you're right like you if you were to have a serious uh, you know crime film and all of a sudden those laws of physics and <laughs> you know, were starting to be broken I think people would start to question the legitimacy of the film but in horror we have a little a little more leeway than that yeah and I think that's what's great about the genre too is that like you and I I think that about this with most movies anyway but especially horror you got to go in and like you said suspend disbelief like you you have to just immerse yourself in the world because that's why i love movies and tv so much is the escapism you know you can watch something you know like here for blood and be you know you can escape from your problems for a little while and be entertained yeah and that's the thing too is is you know i, I really wanted to feel good happy ending i guess i'm a bit of a, a sucker for a happy ending you know so i i um that's what we really just wanted is, is, you know, hopefully people, when they watch it, they feel entertained. Um, you know, they're having fun and they feel good after. And, you know, it's almost like a warm blanket, so to speak, um, which, you know, as a horror fan, you know, one of those movies for me is like Tremors, for example. I can watch Tremors and I always feel so good after watching it. And so I, I really wanted to have that sort of, um, you know, upbeat ending for you for when, you know, an audience member you know, leaves or turns it off of streaming or whatever, they feel awesome. And they're like, Hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, and, and to make it fun and exciting in that way. I feel like that should have been the tagline for the movie. It's like a warm blanket. 
<laughs> of blood, yes. <laughs> yeah, a warm blanket, a dot, dot, dot of blood. Yeah. That's awesome. I could see that on a poster. So did uh, did you get to go on set at all for the, oh, for the shooting? Yeah, I was there every, every day because I also produced oh, on the film as well. Yeah, okay, so cool. I was... I was there every day, um, you know, I was, as we were independent, you know what I mean? I was transporting, you know, the, some of the crew and the talent to set. I was troubleshooting any problems we had. Um, so, yeah, I was there every day. Or every and night, ha- I should say. It was all night shoots. So every oh, night, all night shoots. Say. Okay. Yeah. How long did it take you guys to shoot the film? Oh, I think we did it in like 30, 31 days. I think I don't quote me on that because it was like a literal blur, but uh, I got to look at the shooting schedule. I haven't done that in a while, but yeah, it was about, about 30, 31 days, I think. And that's the thing with especially independent film is like, once you get started, it's almost like a, like a sprint and a marathon combined. It's just, like you said, you know, you're, you're wearing a lot of hats. Um, You might be taking care of catering one minute and then the next you might be, you know, trying to find a, a missing cable or something like that. So exactly it's, power outages. Yeah. Whatever happened, you know, and um, we were shooting in the middle of COVID. And so we had to have really strict rules on set because we worked with the union cast. So we had to have medics on set. We had to have rapid tests available. We had to, you know, kind of keep everybody as safe and separate as we could. So that added a whole extra, you know, layer of difficulty for us and, the, the the fear of getting a COVID case, you know, because we would have had to shut down for two weeks as per the guidelines. And that would have like for an independent film that that would ruin you. You you'd have to push everything back, try to rebook everything, try to get the, you know, the, the locations and the talent and all these things back together. So we were very lucky in that respect. We didn't have uh, any illness on set. And uh, luckily we got it done. <laughs> At the, the COVID the COVID era was very, very interesting, you know, cause I, I worked on a short film locally here during COVID and it was a very small crew. There was maybe like four or five of us. There were one to two actors all having to, you know, keep our distance unless absolutely necessary and things like that. But, you know, it, it, still for the love of the craft and being able to do it, you know, most everyone I talked to during that time frame, they were able to handle it, you know, if, about as best you can given yeah. the circumstances. Yeah. It was just, you know, everybody um, was rolling with it. And luckily, you know, the point we were at during shooting, we were, we had been in the, the pandemic for a while, so it wasn't new. And we, we did know sort of, you know, we had more information and the guidelines at the very beginning were, I think, well, I mean, most things shut down, but um, we luckily there was a blueprint on how to do things properly and safely that we were able to apply, which really, you know, saved our bacon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I always like to ask this too, you know, with uh, especially an independent film, I, I almost compare it like to summer camp because you all become almost like a family because you spend so much time together. Uh, do you have any uh, like funny or memorable moments from the set that, oh uh, that stick out to you? I mean, there was a ton, um, usually when the blood was flying. Uh, one of my favorite <laughs> moments that I, I still laugh about to this day, um, Maya Misseljevic, who plays Grace, the the young girl in the movie, uh, she was 10 when we were shooting. So she had been around this whole time. There's blood flying everywhere, you know, she, literally everywhere. And uh, there's a scene in the film where she gets to stab somebody with a knife. 
So she stabs the, the fake leg with the knife and she pulls the knife out and we just, it wasn't so over the top. We just had a little blood come out and we called cut. And she goes, is that it? That's so weak. She wanted like gallons of blood. She wanted to be in on it with everybody else and have all the, you know, she wanted all the same, you know, geyser of blood shooting all over her. But uh, she was very disappointed that that wasn't uh, the case. Uh, that I hope somebody got that on camera because that's got to be fantastic. I just see this 10 year old girl go lame. Yeah, she was like, is that it? That was so weak. Like she was so she was so upset that, that she didn't get absolutely drenched in blood in that moment. So uh, Oh yeah. man, that's that's fantastic. I mean that, that's what I love about, you know, working on a set, you know, is that it, it can be really hard days, but if you got the right crew and you got the right cast, it's worth it. You know, all the long hours are are absolutely worth it. And then like you're when you're done, you're exhausted, but then a couple of days later you know you're like I could do another one. <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean, the other thing too is, you know, we, we shot this in Canada in, you know, fall. So it was freezing cold. We have a lot of, it was all night shoots. There's, you know, scenes were shawned outside, covered in fake blood, fighting. It's like freezing to his skin. It, it's getting so cold. And, uh, you know, you're just kind of standing there and the sun's about to come up and you're just going like, why did I do this? Why did I do this to myself? Why didn't I do like a, you know, something set during the day? Like, you know, everybody was so tired, but luckily, you know, especially the cast, they were such troopers. They're professionals. Everybody got through it. And uh, yeah, we were very lucky. That's fantastic. Well, I'm excited to watch the film. Um, Before we get into, you know, like where people can watch the movie and whatnot, um, what's next for you? Do you, do you have any other scripts in the works? Um, yeah, I do have some some uh, some things in development. We'll say um, right now my focus is is on uh, you know getting here for blood uh, out and and to as large an audience as possible. Uh, you know, if uh, some people have been asking me if we're going to do a sequel, that depends. You know, if people like it and there's a demand, then you know I'd be more than happy to to get back into the world uh, that is set in. But until then, we'll see. Yeah, I do have a few things I'm working on, but um, nothing I can announce at this time or, uh, you know, unfortunately, but. Uh, yeah, no worries. And uh, speaking of um, speaking of your movie, where can people watch it? Oh, Screenbox. It will be streaming on Screenbox February 9th uh, and it's coming out. Uh, we're doing a limited theatrical run as well. Um, so it's going to be playing in Los Angeles, uh, Atlanta, Houston, Dallas and Orlando, Florida. Oh, some good markets. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's real cool. And do you have a, a website or social media that you'd like to plug so the viewers and listeners can follow you? Yeah, absolutely. You can find uh, the film on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Here for Blood. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at James Roberts five one nine. You can also follow Screenbox and Bloody Disgusting. They'll uh, keep you updated as to the goings on with the film as well. Fantastic. Well, James, thank you so much for taking the time to have this chat with me. This was awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you again to James Roberts for that fantastic conversation. Be sure to follow him on Twitter. You can find a link to his Twitter account in the show notes. And be sure to check out Here for Blood, which is streaming exclusively on Screenbox. You can find a link to that in the show notes as well. 
But for next week's episode, I'm going to be chatting with actress Krista Dane King. Her latest film, Altered Reality, will be coming out in theaters very, very soon. And she comes on the show to talk about that, um, her acting career in theater, as well as transitioning from theater to film, and a really powerful role she played in a film called The Caregiver, in which she plays uh, someone who is diagnosed with ALS. So we have a really deep conversation about that. So be sure to come back next week for that really fun episode. And before we get out of here, I do want to say if you are in the Los Angeles area, my short film, The Feature, will be playing at the Golden State Film Festival this upcoming Friday, February 23rd at 12 p.m. Pacific Time at the Chinese Theater in Hollywood. Myself and my wife, Samantha, will be there. Um, If you're listening to this the day it comes out, we're actually going to be traveling to California tomorrow. Uh, February 19th, we'll be out there for a few days And we'll hopefully be doing some fun networking and having fun uh, watching some great films. So if you're uh, in the L.A. area, I'll post a link to purchase tickets in the show notes if you'll be in the L.A. area. But if you want to check out past episodes of this podcast, if you want to subscribe to my YouTube channel or follow me on social media, everything is in one convenient location at linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast. And if you would, please leave a review I say this you know, pretty much every week on the show, but it really does help the podcast. Uh, the more ratings and reviews the show gets, the more visible it is to those who are searching for podcasts. So it only takes a moment of your time, and it doesn't cost anything. But with that being said, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you once again to James Roberts. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next week for another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. <laughs>